Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you for letting me come, and thank you for rearranging a Wednesday night to a Thursday night, and uh, I, I love your pastor. I mean that with all my heart. I, I think of him so, so often, and I, uh, I was so blessed. The time that we were here was such a precious time, and I got to know so many of you precious people, and uh, we served here together, brother. We, we had fun. We put the fun in fundamental. Maybe it was the mental. I can't remember which, amen. But we, we really did. We, we just enjoyed serving the Lord. And, and uh, it was, uh, again, my boys were born here. Eric now is, I, he really is exactly the same height as I am. And uh, he has a size 15 shoe. And uh, I told him, when you get to 16, kid, you got to get a job because you can't find size 16 shoes anywhere. And uh, Luke is, Luke will be 14 here in a couple weeks. And, and uh, he, he's growing like normal children do. But when your brother is Shrek, you know, you don't look very big next to him. You know? And uh, our daughter, Katia, she'll be 10 uh, in two days before Christmas. And many of you have asked me about Carrie. Those of you that don't know, uh, my wife Carrie was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, August of 2022. I'll kind of give you the whole story and that, then you'll be totally up to date. Um, not long after we had genetic testing done and we found out, um, I think uh, Dr. Keith will understand this, uh, she has an RAD51C gene, which is a very happy cancer gene. It loves cancer. And um, so basically it made the decision for us as far as where, where to go, whether it was a lumpectomy or, a, and so Carrie elected to do a double mastectomy. She had, uh, she had to do chemo before that. And uh, so 12 weeks of chemo once every uh, three weeks. And then she had the double mastectomy and they took out all 26 lymph nodes in her armpit and 18 of them were cancerous, um, which obviously is not good. You, you wished for better pathology, but um, she did uh, 36 radiation treatments. Remember Monday through Friday going with her to radiation. And um, uh, she had, just recently, she had her tubes and ovaries removed because of that RAD51C gene. It becomes very likely that you'll get ovarian cancer. And so, but the path, pathology with that was good. And uh, she is on two very, heavy-duty um, cancer drugs. One she'll probably be on for the rest of her life, and the other one for about two years. Um, the other one was pretty new, uh, newly approved, where, and it seems to work well with her cancer, which is uh, invasive lobular carcinoma. It's amazing the things you learn. I feel like I could be a medical assistant after all, talking to those oncologists, amen. But she has one more very serious surgery coming up, and that's in February. She's going to have um, tissue taken out of her belly and uh, put into where the cavities are, where the, the mastectomy took place. And so that's a very serious surgery. They said necessitates about three to five days in ICU, um, which is more than the mastectomy. She was only in the hospital for a couple days uh, with the mastectomy. But everybody's asked, how's she doing? Um, all in all, she's doing good. Those, those cancer drugs that she's on, they take a heavy toll on you um, fatigue-wise and also digestively. They're very difficult on your system. Um, but all in all, she's doing good. It's, many of you remember Carrie had long blonde hair, and I've always called her Blondie. You know, that was my nickname for her, Blondie. And um, now, ever since the cancer, her hair has come back, and it, it has come back completely curly, and she has this forgive me, this white afro that just, 
and, and Miss Betty, she doesn't know what to do with it. She's, <laughs> she's, she has this hat that she bought at um, uh, Hobby Lobby, Pastor, and it says Bad Hair Day. And she wears that thing all the time, and her hair sticks out the side, you know. The, it was not long ago, I was, in the, I was in, laying in the bed, and she was in the bathroom early, and she, she's trying to comb her hair, and she says, look at me. I look, look at my hair. I look like Ronald McDonald, she said. <laughs> <laughs> so, but all in all, she's doing good. She's home, she homeschools our children. And by the way, she's a, a phenomenal homeschooler. We're part of a co-op. And uh, in that co-op, she's teaching classes. She's teaching literature. She's teaching advanced physics. So that'll tell you how she's doing mentally. She's, she's doing fine. I always, my daughter says, Dad, is mom smarter than you? I said, don't ask me questions you already know the answer to. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so she's doing very well. Thank you so much for praying for her. I mean it with all my heart. I, I, I know pastors got me scheduled to come in, is it August, I think, preacher, for the men's retreat. And I'm hoping that Carrie's going to be able to come and the kids are going to be able to come too. I don't, can't guarantee that, but um, yeah, I hope that, that they are um, because we just, you know, as a family say thank you. Eric plays the piano now and uh, we sing as a family uh, with Eric playing the piano, which is such a cool thing, you know. Uh, and so we just like to come back and say thank you. Psalm 77, would you stand with me? I, I want to read the whole psalm, but I, I won't be able to do that tonight. So I think we'll read the first nine verses here. And this is a, just a, a, this is a dark passage. It's a dark passage, and, and we'll, we'll read it, talk a little bit about the context, and then give you a, a message of application. I believe that can help you through uh, some things. It says, um, Psalm 77, I cried, unto the, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night and ceased not. Now look at this, church. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Wow. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the, thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doeth wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Father, 
Help us tonight. Bless this gathering. Thank you for this precious body of believers. Thank you for this good pastor. Thank you for the staff. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises that are yea and amen. We ask that you would please bless tonight. Bless that one that has a heavy heart. Would you help them tonight? Lord, if there be one here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would do their work. And Lord, you would draw attention to their lost condition and that they would be saved by faith. Lord, bless now is our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. This psalm is, it's a, it's a dark psalm. Again, there are many that think it to be the, uh, the companion of uh, Psalm 74 and really has to do with uh, the lament of the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of Babylon. If you don't know about the captivity of Babylon, it was uh, particular Judah. They, they, they refused to let the land rest. God had said, let the land rest every seven years. By the way, a farmer will tell you that's good advice. That lets the nutrients come back into the soil. And Israel didn't do that for 490 years. They didn't let the land have a Sabbath. And God said, okay. If you will not do what I say, I will get 70 years out of the land. And what happened was the Babylonians came and they took Judah and took them out of the land for, you guessed it, 70 years. You can read about it in Jeremiah uh, chapter number 29. And so many think that this psalm has to do with when they're carried away from Babylon and seeing Jerusalem destroyed. And, and it, it has a heaviness to it. As you read, especially those, those opening phrases, there's, there's, a, there's a darkness to it. Have you ever had something happen in your life that just seemed to bring a a heaviness and a darkness. And I'm not talking about something that could be changed, you know, maybe, maybe going through marital problems and, and yes, there's a heaviness for a while and you worked through them, and, but I'm talking about something that absolutely cannot be changed. I'm talking about the death of a loved one. I'm talking about somebody maybe uh, in an accident and paralysis sets in, Pastor, and they are never going to walk again. It's darkness. It's dark. I think about last night as I was preaching, Miss Melissa, and I was, I was preaching on when the hedge is lifted, and I looked out and I saw Lori Steele. And I thought about her, her little baby, Oliver. And this little baby that, that uh, had sudden infant death syndrome. That's dark. That's even, even when we know God, that's still dark. And so I want to, Lord willing, with the Lord's help tonight in the 20 minutes I have here, I want to help you and preach tonight on getting through deep darkness. Getting through deep. And if, and if you've not had darkness in your life, do me a favor. Just, just take notes or make mental notes or whatever. Make a note in your Bible. But some of you, maybe you're in darkness right now. You're, you're going through a dark time in your life. Let the Word of God and the Spirit of God minister to you. I want you to just notice, some uh, number one, some symptoms of deep darkness. And you see them here in these, these first verses as you look at them. Uh, if you look at verse number two, it says, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my, my sore ran in the night, 
and cease not. My soul refused to be comforted. You know what I see here is I see an uncomforted soul. And it says my soul refused to be comforted. He knew, forgive me, when you're in deep darkness and you know what the Word of God says, but you still won't be comforted. You say, oh, that would never happen. You watch your tongue, sir, ma'am. Let a, let, he that standeth, let him take heed lest he fall. And you never know how you're going to react, as I preached last night, when the hedge is lifted. When darkness, and when darkness that will not subside enters your life. Uncomforted soul sorrow and sadness. Then uh, if you look at verse number uh, uh, three, it says, I remembered God and was troubled. And I complained, by the way, it is okay to complain to God. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Casting all our care upon him for he careth for you. But then he says, and cease not, or I'm sorry, uh, verse three, he says, and my spirit was overwhelmed. So I see not only these symptoms of deep darkness, I see an uncomforted soul, but I see an overwhelmed spirit. Have you ever been overwhelmed? I was talking to Brother Booth today, we had, we had lunch, and, and I was thinking, thinking back to a time in our church not long after I left here, and we went through some trouble, had some just strife in the body, and, uh, and I did my best, I did my best best. My children were little at the time. Eric was three and uh, Luke was two. And I did my best, Pastor, not to bring it home. You know, I just didn't want... My wife knew what was going on and, you know, we were all pretty... But my kids were just kids, you know. They just wanted to play with trucks and, you know, Legos. Not Legos at that. Duplos, amen. The giant ones, amen. And I remember I must have been... I must have had it on my face, Miss Chris. I just a heavy you know, an, an overwhelmed spirit. And my son Luke, I used to love to uh, touch their faces when they were little. I still do it. They hate it now. You know, I just, come here, come here, let daddy touch your face. Amen. Get away from me, dad. The girls are watching, you know. And uh, Luke, Lukey was just a little, little guy and he had a real high voice back then. He's got a bass voice now, but I remember he, said, he looked at me and he said, it's okay, daddy. And I remember being so ashamed, Brother Schnur, that I had, I let it show. But I was literally at that point, and I said to God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. You ever been there? Yeah. Well, get there. It's that uncomforted soul, but then there's that overwhelmed spirit. But then if you look at verse number four, it says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. It's amazing when you have an uncomforted soul, an overwhelmed spirit, that you get what I call ungotten sleep. Huh? I remember those days, Pastor, again, just difficult days in, in church, and just, I remember, I remember going to the office at 2.30, 2.30 a.m., going to the office and starting my day. Why? Because my sleep was over. I couldn't, couldn't sleep. Something else you see here in regards to 
the symptoms of, of deep darkness. There in verse 4, it says, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. That's, that's dark, where you just can't even mouth words. By the way, thank God the, the Word of God says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit and and he he intercedes with groanings which cannot be uttered when you can't even speak the words to pray the holy spirit can help you to pray and pray for you so those are some symptoms of deep darkness let me give you some solutions for deep darkness solutions for deep darkness look in verses 11 and 12 He says there, well, it really starts in verse 10, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. The first one of those solutions is meditate on His works. Meditate on His works. Just think of His works in your life. Just think of how he's working. You, you, could, you could, obviously, we could all go to salvation and think about how all the things that led up to our salvation. But his works in our life are a whole lot more than just salvation. I believe it says in Philippians 1:6 that he that hath begun a good work in you will continue it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We know that all things work. So, listen, when, when darkness comes into your life, and by the way, it will come. What can I do? What's the solution, Pastor? Meditate upon His works and workings in your life. Think about how He's worked. He does that because you're His child. He does that because He loves you. So meditate upon his works. But also, if you look at verses 11 and 13, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Verse 13, or verse 14, I'm sorry. Thou art the God that doeth wonders. See, this is a little deeper. This is, this is not necessarily just his works in your life, and that's wonderful. But this, these are His wonders. You see, our God, the one who has done a great work in our lives, is the one who created everything in six days by the word of His power. Our God is the one who delivered His people by the plagues of Egypt. Our God is the one who protected His people from the Egyptians with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and then split the Red Sea open so that the Israelites walked upon dry ground and then drowned the Egyptians as they tried to kill. That's our God. Our God is the one who made the walls of Jericho fall flat. That's our God, amen. Our God is the one who, when Elijah prayed, called down fire from heaven. Our, that's our God. Our God is the God that doeth wonders. And by the way, He does some of His greatest wonders in the darkness. Meditate on His works. Muse on His wonders. 
Look at verse number 13. It says, Thy way, O God, is in the what? Sanctuary. Do, with me, do me a favor. Go back just a few chapters. Go back to Psalm 73. This, this psalm could have been written today. If you know Psalm 73. It really picks up in verse number 3. If you just look at it there with me, it says, uh, verse 2, he says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. This person really said, I'm just about giving up. Why? Well, he said, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm, and they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment, their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. He's saying, he's saying the, the wicked of the world, all they do is prosper. It's frustrating. When I, some of the best people of God I know, people, the most generous people of God, are always struggling, Pastor. And I think about this, but then if you go, and I just don't have time to read all these verses, but if you jump down uh, verse number uh, 13, he says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and I have washed my hands in innocence. He's really saying, what good is it to live for God? That's dark. He said in verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. That's that overwhelmed spirit, isn't it? You know, just... And then he says in verse 17, until I went into the what? The sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. You know, we, we sung about our end. Our end is heaven. So here's what I would counsel you to do in regards to the sanctuary there in, as a solution to deep darkness. Meditate on His works. Muse on His wonders, but maintain His worship. When you are going through a dark time, that is not the time to run away from church. That is the time to run to the church. Your brothers and sisters will lift you up. They'll encourage you. See, what happens is the devil loves to get sheep away from the shepherd and away from the other sheep. That's when he can do his greatest damage to a sheep. When you're in darkness, even if you're in darkness, even if you're, you're fighting back tears and people just don't understand, you be in your place. Even if you can't sing the songs because you're so broken, you can still be ministered to by the songs. A solution for... Deep darkness is maintain his worship. Worship is a verb. It's the way we live. It's not just church. It's, I'm going, I think about, I preached on Job last night. I preached uh, Job uh, 20, one, one, chapter 1, verse 20, 21, and 22. It, remember what happened when Job got the worst news of all, that all his children were dead? He said, the Bible says he fell down and worshiped saying, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, blessed be the name of the Lord is the outward expression of inward worship. When you're in darkness, maintain that worship. It's hard. It's dark. 
Maintain worship. So, symptoms of deep darkness. Uncomforted soul, overwhelmed spirit, ungotten sleep. Solutions for deep darkness. Meditate upon His works. Muse upon His wonders. Maintain His worship. Let me give you some suggestions for deep darkness, for, for getting through. Some, just some suggestions, some simple applications, Pastor. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to acknowledge it. This, this has happened. This is not going to change. I know our God can do everything, but He also has some laws that are in place. Okay, If you've, if you've lost someone, then they're not coming out of the grave until Jesus calls us all home. So the first thing you have to do is acknowledge it and say, this is not a dream, I, I'm, not, I'm not wondering about this, I'm not, this happened. It starts right there. You have to acknowledge it. Yes, this is dark. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Number two, you have to accept it. You have to accept it. Again, I, this is easy preaching and hard living. But I'll tell you what, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and I realized that my kids were 14, 12, and 8, and I had a dear friend who's a pastor whose wife had that kind of cancer, she was 47 when she found out she was 47 when she died. It was dark, considering things. So what do you mean by accept it? I quoted this verse already, let me quote it again. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, Romans 8, 28. It doesn't say all things are good. Huh? It says all things work together for good. So if I know that my God who does wonders and I know my God who has worked in my life and my God who loves me has allowed this into my life, then I need to accept it. Again, that's a lot easier to do from here than it is to do out there. But again, I'm giving you some suggestions. The third suggestion is not only acknowledge it and accept it, but adjust to it. Adjust to it. <clears throat> Last year, uh, Memorial Day of 2022, we were at a, a family in our church. They, they live right down the street from us, literally. And um, we were at their house, and they have they have all these pine trees. They're, it's amazing. They're like fences of pine trees that must have been planted like 60 years ago. And uh, they've got all these, these like half limbs, and they're, you know, they've been cut back and all that. And there's all these you know, dead-looking limbs, Brother Tim, that are there. And uh, the kids, the, the teenagers were all over there. They were just on the side, and, and uh, I had just stopped by. I was getting ready to go make a hospital call. And... I got, I, you know, just talking to everybody, and all the kids were over there, my boys were over there, and I got ready to get in the car, and my youth pastor came running out, and he said, he said, preacher, preacher, he said, Luke broke his leg. And I, first of all, I said, what? And then, you know the cry of your own, parents, don't we? 
like you always think of it in a nursery sense, but let me tell you something. When they're 12 years old and they begin to scream in pain, you recognize immediately that's not somebody else's child. I know that one. I always think of the Lord, how he knows the cries of his own. And I went over, and what had happened was Luke was, Luke was on a, a limb that was six feet up. Six feet, that's as tall as I am. And what happened was it broke. He came down, and there was a root there, and his foot got stuck. And so his foot stayed here, and his whole body went like this, and his leg went back like this literally snapped it and we had to take him to the hospital and we had to make a choice uh dr keith between waiting for an ambulance or me taking him and we voted for me to take him and my youth pastor got up underneath him and held him and my wife held his leg in place and over the next couple days we, we got him there and i, re I remember his screaming i i uh, one day I'll preach, I'll preach a message on hell, Pastor. I remember his screaming. like when, he, said, he said, when are they going to give me something? When is this? He was screaming in absolute pain. And I thought about people in hell. And I thought there's no, there, there is no, there's no narcotic. There's nothing to make the pain stop. There's nothing. And we got him there. And they, they, they gave him that right away and splinted his leg. And then a couple of days later, he had to have surgery. He had to have uh, flexible nails put in. And he broke his fibula and tibia. And you know what? You know what he had to do over those next days? He had to adjust to having a broken leg. He had to move around the house in a wheelchair. And then he had to scoot in a chair and go to the couch and had to take uh, some pills here and there that, you know, obviously helped him a little bit. But he had to adjust to have, uh, all the other kids were running around and playing. He couldn't do that. He had to adjust. Hey, listen, when deep darkness comes into your life, I'm talking about things that are not changing, you have to adjust to it. You have to adjust. It's part of accepting it, isn't it? They go together. So, Acknowledge it, accept it, adjust to it. And I like this one. Accelerate it. You say, what is that? That just keeps with the alliteration, Pastor. It means this. I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing forward. What does that mean? That means though you don't run as fast as you used to, you can still keep going forward for God. You can still keep walking with God. Accelerate. Now, I haven't got to this place, and I, I don't think any of us has either, but, you know, Paul told us he actually, in the deep darkness and the difficulties, not only acknowledge it and accept it and adjust to it, accelerate it, but Paul actually adored it. Remember when he asked God three times to remove the thorn in the flesh? Remember that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And God, what did God say? He said, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then you know what Paul said? He said, most gladly therefore will I glory. I'll rather glory in my infirmities. Now again, I'm not there yet where I actually glory in darkness and difficulties in my life. But we can get there. 
knowing that God, God, God has it. God's in control of this. God has purpose for this. But you know what? Lastly, in regards to suggestions for deep darkness, acknowledge it, accept it, adjust to it, accelerate it, adore it. If you look back at Psalm 73 and verse number, we looked at it, uh, verse number 2. If you don't acknowledge it and you don't accept it and you don't adjust to it and you don't accelerate it, you know what? There's an alternative to it. You know what that is? Verse 2 says, my soul refused to be comforted. You know what happens if you don't apply the solutions to deep darkness? Bitterness. Bitterness is the alternative to accepting something from God that you don't like. And you know what I've found, Pastor, through the years? You know, what, you know, bitterness, we think, well, this person hurt me, or this person did this, or this person did that. <clears throat> you know who bitterness is really against? It's against the one who allowed it. The one who is omnipotent but didn't do anything about it. Huh? That's God Almighty. And I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> if you think bitterness is yours and yours alone, and you live on an island alone called bitterness, you are sorely mistaken and don't know your Bible. <clears throat> because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, it said, take heed lest any root of bitterness springing up in you and thereby many be defiled. Show me, show me somebody who's bitter and I'll show you bitter kids. Show me somebody who's bitter and I'll show you people all around them in their orbit who are bitter. Deep darkness has come to your life. You didn't ask for it, but it came anyway from the, from the sovereign hand of God. He permitted it in your life. You can either accept it and trust Him, or you can, the alternative to it, you can be bitter against Him. But I promise you, accepting it, accepting it from His hand, while not easier, is much better than bitterness. Getting through deep darkness. There's symptoms of deep darkness. There's solutions for deep darkness. There's some suggestions in the deep darkness. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Adjust to it. Accelerate it. Adore it. And remember the alternative to it. Father, bless us as we conclude tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You say, could that possibly be on a, on a Thursday night? It, it could. There could be somebody here that you've heard about Jesus, but you've never made Jesus your own personal Savior. Listen, you're heading for outer darkness. I mentioned my son when he broke his leg there. That again, there are the people that are in hell today. The only people in hell are unforgiven people. There are moral people in hell. There are immoral people in hell. But only people in hell are unforgiven. They just didn't get their sins forgiven. Who does that? Jesus does that. He allows us to have the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we would love to have somebody take an open Bible and show you, don't be ashamed, we've all been there. There was a point where all of us came to church for the first time and we didn't know. But maybe you're here tonight and you are a believer, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you know that. Maybe there's some, some darkness in your life. Just some difficulty, some things you don't understand. and You've maybe been wrestling with God a little bit. Why does this happen? Why? And, and I, I know we can do that. And by the way, Jesus asked, why on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? But there comes a point where you need to move from the why did you do this, God, to what are you doing in my life with this, God?